Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. He's going to join us. The Commish coming up here in about uh, 10, 11 minutes or so. So what do you do when you need to fill a little time? <laughs> you talk to your favorite UFC analyst and college football talker. That's Sean O'Connell, who's going to be doing afternoons here with Jeff Schwartz on Sirius XM. What's up? Chilling, man. Just uh, taking it all in. It's a festival atmosphere that we get to be back here, you know, after a year off. I'm excited. We're, we're on the 12th floor, which I think is normally some sort of a dance club. Yeah. Because it's got all <laughs> the right. lights and the disco balls and everything that you could tell would be on. I like the setup here, though, and I, the marine layer has, has burned off. We've got a good view of the Hollywood Hills here. It's all good. Yeah, the, the gorgeous Walk of Fame with its zombie oh. population. It's, oh, my uh, gosh. <laughs> I literally I didn't walk this. I got here at, like, 1030 last night. I oh. went, checked in, went to my room. I'm not dealing with Hollywood streets at 11 o'clock at night. I, uh, I walked in. I got in about 2, and then I walked over to grab some food, and I was like, oh, wow, all right. <laughs> The glitz and glamour of Hollywood in the light of day is not what I expected it to be. My own naivete showing there. So uh, what's been your takeaway? You were at a coach's dinner last night? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's. I think the, the big takeaway for me right now is there's a ton of optimism with the new leadership. You're going to have George Klyovkov sit down and join you. He's, you know, it's easy to win a press conference, I suppose. There's obviously practical concerns about what this league does moving forward if there's realignment what this league does with a new media rights deal all that stuff but the athletic directors the directors of football operations the coaches themselves seem to be very optimistic that the right person uh is in place with new leadership and that's that's exciting because obviously things are a changing yeah i mean realignment's coming back i think uh, you know Texas and Oklahoma, but it's what I've been saying for the last couple of days and what I've maintained for a while. Expanding to, to expand is not a smart move. Correct. You, you've got to expand if it adds revenue and it adds eyeballs or whatever it adds just to add teams to your conference because somebody else is. There, there are, there's not another Oklahoma or Texas out there. There is. It's it's Notre Dame. Sure. They're the great white whale, but they're not they're not going anywhere. But the Pac-12 doesn't have somebody they could just grab like the SEC did that will add that kind of revenue. So I'm not saying you don't expand, but if you do, you've got to do it smartly because you've got a pie and it's divided 12 ways right now. Nobody wants the same size pie in a smaller piece. Right. If they want the piece to stay the same or grow bigger, otherwise, why are you doing it? That's right. And, you know, when you look at the schools, the athletic departments that are kind of the potential candidates for something like that, does Baylor add a larger piece of pie for you? Eh, probably not. 
Does BYU? No. Right? So Oklahoma State, there's there's not, like you said, there's not those obvious like financial kind of windfall <laughs> programs out there. I, I said this at dinner last night. I said this on the air. I will continue to maintain this. If there's a big shakeup of realignment happening, the commissioner's number one priority should be making sure that the top brands in the Pac-12 stay happy and stay here. USC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington, the ones that represent probably those most lucrative brands for this conference, just keep them happy. You've got to protect your own first. You've got to circle the wagons and create a little moat around the Pac-12 so nobody comes and tries to grab your brands. And then if you can add to your brands, that's great. But you've you've got good brands here. Oregon and USC are national brands. And then you've got Washington and Utah and in ASU a little bit in UCLA that are not quite national, but they're just below that national brand. So you gotta, you got to protect what you have so you don't lose it. That's absolutely right. And I think, again, I, I think that, you know, the eyes on the prize for fans and for leadership in the conference are quite different. And fans get these wild hairs and say, oh, it would be so cool to see a rivalry renewed and had to have, you know, a Texas footprint and all that. But something we all have to appreciate, in my opinion, Bill, is that, when conference realignment shook things up 10, 11 years ago, your you know zip code mattered. Your media market mattered in a way that now it doesn't. Everybody knows who every great team is, right? Everybody can recruit every single high school in the country. It's not as important as it used to be to make sure that all oh, we have the Denver market, the Dallas market, the L.A. market, television market for our new media rights deal. We're all going to be streaming our sports right. in the next 10 years anyway. Hulu or Netflix or Apple are going to be a partner in all likelihood right. in, in, in either big or small of the Pac-12 conference. Yeah, so it, it's not as important to discuss these things the same way that we used to. It's like, okay, well, it's great that you know Pac-12 now has a Salt Lake City market and the Denver market. Can we get... We get the Waco, Texas market, or the or TCU comes on. We get some share of Dallas. I don't think that is part of the conversation anymore, and it makes it more interesting. Well, it's building up your brands. I mean, making sure USC becomes great again. Yeah. How can you help Utah and Oregon and Washington and ASU raise their marketability? Right. And, and and what Kalivakov said the other day made a lot of sense to me too. I mean, he said, you know, the end goal is the football playoff. It's great to win the rowing championship. It's great to win the fencing championship. But at the end of the day, if you're not in the college football playoff, it doesn't even matter if you've got good basketball. That's right. It's all about football. It's the engine that drives the machine. I mean, Utah's a perfect example. Two sports make money at Utah. Basketball basically pays for itself and then makes a little bit more money. And then football pays for everything else. Sure. And if football is good, then everything else is good. It's the same thing on a conference level. It's great if you're great in swimming. But you better get two teams in the playoff now, especially with it expanding. Yeah, and, you know, Utah fans might actually start to get upset about the way that the Pac-12 strategically goes about ensuring more success or encouraging more success for Oregon, Washington, USC, brands like that. Because, I mean, Merton Hanks and George Klyovkov are not shy about saying, look, we, we have to set these guys up for success. North Carolina basketball never gets a schedule that they look at and say, oh, my gosh, we've got to play all our tough games on the road? Dang it. Like, that's not going to be happening right. in scheduling for USC and Oregon anymore. It's just not. This conference is going to set their ducks in a row in such a way to encourage USC and Oregon 
to hopefully be in that conversation for a playoff. And Utah will be there every third, fourth year. Sean O'Connell's here with us for a couple of minutes. The commissioner will come by in about 10 or so. Let's talk about some football stuff. Oregon picked to win the North. SC picked to win the South. My ballot, I had Oregon in the South and Utah in the North. I've said this, that this season feels like 18 did around Utah football. Those that were close to the program knew they were really good. Yeah. Those outside, some knew, some didn't. There wasn't a lot of hype about it like there was in 19. I think the difference, though, Sean, is Utah's stronger at some key positions. In 18, when Tyler Huntley went down, they had no backup plan. Jason Shelley, bless his soul, played hard, yeah. but couldn't. he wasn't Tyler Huntley. Zach Moss went down. They didn't have a backup. I feel like they're better at every position. I feel like they're two and three deep at a lot of positions and a better position to absorb injuries if they happen. So... I, I, I don't know who will win the conference. I picked Utah to win it. I've only done that twice, much to the chagrin of people who think I do it all the time. 18 and 19, I picked them to win the South and win the conference. Yep. They almost did. I think this is very similar. I think they've got a chance to do it. And also, there's, I don't think there's a dominant team in this league. Yeah, and, and that to me is the key. I don't think, especially in the South, there's not a clear, oh, my goodness, if Oregon had – a better quarterback situation. I think we'd be talking about the Ducks. You know, if there was a Justin Herbert still there, I think we'd be talking about the Ducks as a strong playoff candidate because their defense is going to be really good, better than it's been in a few years. Uh, I think next year is the year for the Utes. I really do. Uh, I would not be surprised if we see them in a conference championship game again this year. But you got to, you know, you got a couple tough matchups. Uh, you got a, a trip to the Coliseum again, right? That got to shake that monkey off your back. And, uh, Oregon is always tough because everything that you're good at at the University of Utah, Mario Cristobal has kind of shifted the identity of Oregon football to match that, and he's getting the best players <laughs> even from your home state. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's an, it's an uphill climb in this conference, and it makes me just furious when people talk about the Pac-12 is down, the Pac-12 can't compete. It's just, no, there's a lot of parity in this conference, which nobody else in college football is really interested in. No. Right, I, it's the lazy, To me, it's the laziest narrative in college football that the Pac-12 conference stinks, that the Pac-12 football stinks. It's the third best conference to me, top to bottom, yeah. in college football. It's better than the ACC, top to bottom, For and it's sure. better than the Big, certainly now than the Big 12, top to bottom. Of course, it doesn't have an elite team at the top, which the other conferences do. But I feel like, on a week in week out basis, you get great. If, if people watch this league. You get really yeah. high-level football on a regular basis. There's just not an Alabama or a Clemson or an Ohio State right now right. in the league. And, and when you, even when you compare the Pac-12 to the Big Ten, right, there's no Ohio State right now, although we do get to see how Oregon matches up with the Buckeyes, which would have been so awesome last year had it happened at Autzen Stadium, right? So we'll, we'll get to see where Oregon stands against a, <clears throat> a team like Ohio State. We'll get to see where, you know, ucla stands against like an lsu that kind of thing but when you compare the pac-12 we're not top heavy like some of those other conferences no one no one has indicting comments about the acc you got one elite team and everyone else stinks right although i think north carolina is going to be good this year yeah sam howell's really good (laughs) yeah and you know they're doing the right things and I shouldn't say the right things they're doing interesting things on the recruiting trail to make sure that there's uh talent around them but like yeah, I, I don't like that narrative any more than you do. I think that uh, this is another year where there's going to be some cannibalization within the conference and that everyone's going to have to lean back on, well, what happened on that September 11th weekend? Week two in Pac-12 football this year is when a lot of those big-time matchups are happening. Washington's got to be Michigan. 
Oregon's at least got to make it a game against Ohio State and, you know, UCLA and who else has a big match? Arizona State, you got to got to toe the line for the conference. I think it was you and I who sat here a few years ago and interviewed Leonard Williams. Yes. He was a big man. He's large. Kayvon Thibodeau. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> From his head to his torso to his hands, and how about the rings he's wearing? Yeah. He's wearing his Pac-12 championship rings here today. And the Rose Bowl rings. And he's worth six figures now. He's Kayvon Thibodeau's kind of got it going on, doesn't he? He absolutely does. And, you know, he's going to be potentially a number one overall draft pick if he has a great year this year. He's going to be a top five draft pick if he's healthy for sure. And the, the most surprising thing about Kayvon Thibodeau to me is when you see him in pads, he forms out like a defensive back. Yeah. Right? Like, you watch him and Verone McKinley, who's going to be playing in the secondary behind him, they have the same body type. It's just Kayvon Thibodeau's is 75 pounds heavier and, you know, three, four inches taller. It's He's a scary, scary physical specialist. He moves kind of like a defensive back. He does. At 75 pounds heavier. Absolutely. And and the, the fascinating thing, and this is something that not a lot of even great players in college football are capable of doing, when, when are the best moments of Kayvon Thibodeau's Oregon career so far? It's the big games. Pac-12 championship Pac-12 game. Pac-12 championship game. He destroyed the University of Utah. In a Single-handedly. Year. Yeah, when we were like, this Utah offensive line is so physical. This Utah running attack is so physical. And that guy blew things up against dudes who, at the time, outweighed him by, you know, 60, 70 pounds. He was, yeah. he was a lot younger and a little bit smaller back then. So, yeah, the guy is just an absolute hoss. And the fact that he rises to the occasion proves that he's an elite player. Like, like a true... This guy will make a lot of money and spend a lot of years in the NFL elite player. Uh, when's your next TV gig? August 13th. We're in Miami, well, Hollywood, Florida for PFL playoffs. Uh, welterweights Roy McDonald and Ray Cooper in the main events. Uh, this will this is the semifinals, so winners of these ones head to a million-dollar championship fight. ESPN 2 and ESPN Plus for this one. I know you've always appreciated Colin McGregor's Conor McGregor. Con, I mean, Con, Conor, Conor, <laughs> yeah. Conor McGregor's business acumen, but yeah. never fancied him as necessarily a great fighter, right? Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, and that's now bearing itself out, right? I, I appreciate. I mean, look, he. We have to give him credit. There's a time in his career where he was a great fighter. He's a two division UFC champ. He beat some of the best in the world to right. get there. He was great. The thing that he was best at was calling attention to his fights, promoting his fights, earning the money. And just like everyone else in the sport, it's passed him by. And I understand why. You got $200 million in the bank. Why are you stepping in there to fight? I admire the heck out of him for still pursuing that challenge when he doesn't have to. Generational wealth for his entire family. You know, he can he can go be in Game of Thrones. He can build his brand. He can do things the easy way. He still wants to fight, but uh, he's not ever going to wear a UFC belt again. No. And I respect his ability to continue to talk trash, even with his ankle dangling <laughs> like this. That's, I don't think I don't think I could pull that off. Yeah, you, you, did a, you, you took you, you you were pretty good, but yeah, that's that's a special kind of trash talking right there. You're looking at your leg, going, "Yeah, that's going to require surgery." But I'm still, coming after you. <laughs> you still suck, buddy. <laughs> I broke my leg fighting you, but it's your fault. You stink. Yeah. 
Uh, thanks for coming by. Yeah, good chatting with you. Have a good show this afternoon. Catch him on Sirius XM. What time are you and Ch- uh, uh, Jeff going on? Uh, we go on. It'll be one mountain time. Okay, one to about four? Yeah, one to five mountain time. Okay. It'll be uh, Sirius XM 373, Pac-12 channel. So after I'm done, crank up Jeff and Sean doing their thing on Sirius XM. That's Sean O'Connell with us.